this morning, today, this is it. This is the day that I know that I've been waiting for. And if you've seen that black curtain up at all, that hopefully you guys have been waiting for. Today is the day of the big reveal of the Home Point Center. Have you guys seen the black curtain out there? Some of you have peeked, right? Now, for you peekers, this is a great day because... Um, now, now you don't have to like try to sneak around and peek anymore. And, you know, you, you won't have to do that. You can do it openly. But it's also a great day for you rule followers because you rule followers saw the sign and you would not peek behind that curtain, right? Because the sign said so. And so for you rule followers, you can peek behind the curtain. Well, there won't be any curtain there. You can go in there without any guilt today. It's okay. Today's the day. And so, I'm actually really excited about this, um, and we're continuing with this series to go along with that called Building Strong Families. And so um, we believe that, that family really is the main building block of every area of society or culture. And I think that's exactly what God communicates in his word. You know, everything really is built upon the foundation of family, and family is really God's idea for caring and building his kingdom um, and the church is made up of families. And, you know, the, the Olive Garden saying says that if you're here, you're family. And so I think that's kind of the way it is here at Portview. If you're here, you're family. And so hopefully you guys feel that way. You know, and our families can look very different. Um, but no matter how our families look, God really intended them to be the main building block where his plan to reach and disciple the world and to pass on faith in Jesus Christ where all that is carried out. And so, I don't know about you, but to me that sounds pretty important, isn't it? That's actually a a very key role, and I think God intended it to be that way. He intended it to sound important because it is important. It is kind of a big deal. So, in just a few minutes, um, Kristen's going to join me up here, and Pastor Mitch and Amy, they're going to be all four of us up here, so it's going to be a little unique um, service that way. And so... uh, it should be interesting. It should be interesting. Pastor Mark has waited for a long time for Pastor Mitch and I to be on the stage together because he thinks that we're, we just interact goofy. And so maybe it'll be really funny. I don't know. And so, but ho- hopefully you guys will enjoy it. But last week, Pastor Mark and Suzanne, and I mean, just, I, I really appreciated um, what you guys talked about last week about being, building a Christ-centered family. And so, so what we're not going to do today is we're not going to repeat the things that they said. Um, and so we're, wh- what we want you to do is go and listen to the podcast because I, I think what we're going to talk about today will hopefully, you know, maybe give a much cleaner or uh, better picture having heard that first uh, message by Pastor Mark and Suzanne. And so they did an excellent job talking about and sharing from scripture and personal experience, which you guys have a little more personal experience than we do. Um, on how to carry out these principles of building that Christ-centered family. And so you guys talked about, um, you know, if, if you missed it, make sure you, you go listen to it. They talked about five critical principles or topics to building that Christ-centered family. So last week you guys also introduced um, kind of our, our phrase or what we've adopted as a slogan as the church's role in helping people build strong families. Do any of you remember what the, what the phrase is that we kind of took the slogan? You can do it. We can help, right? That's, that's really the, the old Home Depot slogan. 
Um, and so we're kind of taking that as, as, as really our approach to what we're talking about today. And, and, and as a church and as church leadership and as a church body on, on, on how we're going to approach and how we're going to help equip, um, you guys to do just that. And so, you know, as, as a church, this really is our philosophy. This whole idea of you can do it, we can help. And, and, and we're going to talk about this today. And, when we come, when when they come up here, we're going to spend time really on answering what uh, one question. This whole idea of you can do it, we can help. The the next step of the question is, well, you can do what, right? And so you can do it. We'll do what? And so what we're going to talk about today is you can raise Christ-centered kids. That's going to be our focus for today. And so. And as a church, we, we want to help you do that. And that's really what Home Point and, and, and Building Strong Families is all about. And some of you may be saying, well, you know what, Pastor Paul, I don't have um, kids, or I don't have kids at home, or my kids are raised and gone, right? Um, but research shows that a large percentage of us will get married and have kids someday. So if you don't have kids yet, someday, you probably will. Okay? And the other piece is that many of us who... Obviously, we're, we're parents will be or maybe our grandparents. And so, but all of us, no matter our situation, we really are influencing the next generation's faith. And I think we can all agree on that. So no matter where you are with kids at all, uh, whether you're just in the middle of it, knee deep in it, or whether that's a distant memory, or, or you're saying, I'm never having children <laughs> after watching everyone else. Um, Wherever your philosophy is on, on, on kids, um, I want you guys to know that we are all part of promoting multi-generational Christianity. And as parents and grandparents, there are a few realities that seem to be true of our situation. And so as we talk today, I want to make sure that these realities are, are, are kind of set. The, the first one is this, is we don't get a practice round or a dress rehearsal with our kids, do we? And that might be the most frustrating part. Um, you know, looking back, even on the 10 years that we've been parenting, there are things that I, I would do different. I wish I could get that back again, but, but you can't, and that's okay. The second thing, the reality is that there's no secret formula for becoming super parents. Unfortunately, um, we, we don't have all the answers. We don't have a formula to give everyone to say, this is how you guarantee that your kids will grow up and serve Christ their whole life. There is no such thing. But, and this third reality I think is incredibly important, and let's face it, as parents, there are a few things that we care more about than our kids, right? And so this is incredibly important to us. You know, even with all these realities being true, it seems like very few of us move from accidental parenting to intentional parenting. It's a hard thing to do. Um, Sometimes life happens to us more often than not, right? Instead of us maybe um, being intentional with, with how we live our life. And I would say how we raise our kids. You know, we can't control every aspect of our lives, but the best way to raise Christ-centered kids is really to be an intentional parent that, or grandparent. That, that's what it is. One, one author, Kurt Bruner, defines parenting success this way. I thought it was a great definition. He says, those blessed with the gift of children and grandchildren are called to inspire and nurture Christian faith and godly character in the next generation. And we'd love to stop there, but it doesn't. Listen to the last phrase. 
so called and inspired to nurture Christ, Christian faith, and godly character in the next generation as life's highest calling. When you have kids, your number one job is to nurture that faith in them. That's it. That is your highest calling. Everything else should take a back seat to that. That's where intentionality and intentional parenting starts. This concept also comes directly out of Scripture, it's where this where we got it all from, is Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8 says, Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter, utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. So catch this. We will not conceal them from our children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. Does that sound like your role as a parent? For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, and that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like our fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. Deuteronomy also refers to this whole idea of intentional parenting and passing faith on is not just a good idea, but as life's highest calling. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, it says, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this morning... With all this in mind, our focus today and the question that we're going to answer, try to help answer, at least in part, is how can we intentionally raise Christ-centered kids? So, Kristen, would you please come on up? And Pastor Mitch and Amy, could you guys come on up? And I think we should clap for them because they're awesome. No. How about, do we go here and then you guys can go there? you have enough microphones? Thank you. Is that on? Make sure your mic is on. Yeah. There we go. I'm going to need it. I'm going to need it. <laughs> All right. So this is, like a, this is like a fun panel here. <laughs> Look at how fun this is, Amy. We are fun. We are fun. <laughs> you know, and you can't talk about finances. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know finances are fun, but this is a parenting piece. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's your whole note. So what, why don't we start by uh, you guys just giving kind of a brief description of you, your family, kids, kind of your situation a little bit. Sure. So Amy and I have been married for almost 18 years. It'll be 18 in July. Yay us. Yay God. And we uh, have three wonderful children, Elise, who is 14, um, soon to be 15, and she's really excited about that. Kaylee is 13, and then we have our son, Micah, who is 10. And so um, we are um, in the thick of it. We're in the thick of it. In the thick of something. Thick of something. Um, But we're very blessed, and so, yeah, that's us in a nutshell. Awesome. Okay, well, I get to talk about us. Um, Paul and I will be married 14 years this year. We also have three children. Um, Our oldest, Anthony, is 10, and then we have two girls, 
Elena, who will want you to know that she's six and a half, and Aubrey, who is, well, three and a half. So um, we realize that we only have a decade of actual parenting experience. That's why we deferred to, you know, to our elders to come in with us. <laughs> but, but I will say... <laughs> So much, much, much. Uh, no. That's how we're starting. But I will say that this is a topic that we are extremely passionate about, not only for our children, but for your children and your families. And that's the whole reason why we're here. That's what we have decided to devote ourselves to. That's why we came to Portview seven years ago, changed a career, moved, did all of those things because... We are that passionate about this topic. So we hope that you will hear our hearts today and what we have to say. That's right. So, and, and like we said, we don't have the answers, but you know what? We have some experience, and we're just going to try to share the biblical perspective and what, and, and what we've experienced. And so there's really three things that we want to touch on today. And the first one um, is, is this, and seems maybe very simple on the surface, but healthy relationships as far as Christ-centered families and, and raising Christ-centered kids, that healthy relationships really are the foundation for it all. Um, Can I back you up a second? Yeah, yeah. Please. I just have one thing that I for sure wanted to say. I told him last night, I feel like this is something that God really dropped in my heart last night. So before we dive in, which is really awesome, I just want to say first, parenting is really hard. Like, it is hard. And we have a couple of things that we want to talk about today, and we don't ever want to send the message that we're just trying to boil it down to like, well, you do these three things or these steps, and you know, you do this and you do that, and, and then this is the outcome, because it's not. And I, I was um, reading to the girls last night from the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is our favorite children's Bible, and as Aubrey calls it, the Jesus Book Story Bible. And we are reading the story about when the children of Israel were up against the Red Sea. They had left Egypt, and they looked and they turned around, and here was Pharaoh's army coming, and here was the Red Sea in front of them. And they didn't have a boat to go across. They couldn't swim across. They couldn't go back the way that they had come. There was nothing that they could do, and there was nowhere that they could go. But God was able to make the difference. And really, in all of this, we need God, and our kids need God, and there are situations, you're going to listen to what we say, and you might say, I did that, I'm doing that, there's nothing else I can do, and you know what, God hears your heart on that, and he is able. So there isn't a, a parenting situation that is hopeless, as long as you have God, he is able. So I just, like I said, I felt like God just dropped that in my heart last night as I was reading to the girls, and I just thought it was really important that you hear that um, sometimes we can't do anything, and we can't go anywhere. That's right. But God is able. Yeah. I have so, to back now. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I actually wrote this down because, and it maybe not as... Well, it probably puts it in much simpler terms, because that's me. Um, my college roommate and I, a few years ago, were having dinner, and she's got kids a little younger. And she looked at me, and we were just talking about some kid stuff. And she goes, this parenting thing is not for wimps. And I said, amen. 
And it's not. And it is, you, you, it's, you could be a wimpy parent, but it is, it's, it's tough. And it's hard. And there's days you look and go, this stinks. Like, I don't have an answer. But we looked at each other after kind of pouring out some stuff that was going on. And we said, we're really glad that we love Jesus. And he's there with us. And he has, like you said, he's got the answers, even though we don't always see them. And I think that's kind of, like, I wouldn't want a parent without Jesus. Does that make sense? Like, I look at people who don't know Jesus and I go, I feel like you're missing this, you know? So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that, that is kind of the whole, the whole premise of with, without, you know, you can't intentionally raise Christ in your kids without, without having it start with you, without being a follower of Jesus, I think. There really is a loss there. Um, so, so we're going to jump right into healthy relationships being the foundation. And so, you know, when we had, when we were kind of emailing back and forth and talking back and forth, one of the things that really came out in our conversations were this whole idea of relationships, and um, and, and just how incredibly important they are. I know for us personally, it was, um, you know, it's a, big, it's a big deal for us. And I think of our our kids. And, um, you know, one of the things that, one of the best ways to build a relationship, I think kids um, spell relationship, T-I-M-E, where it it takes time. You know, one of the main things out of a a discipleship class that I was doing that, that was a theme throughout the entire class, which is so simple but incredibly profound, was you can't disciple without spending time. And, And that was it. And I was like... Wow, like that, that really struck me. So, um, you know, sometimes it's as simple as, uh, you know, Kristen has been doing the, tre- the trek class and everything. So last week I took the kids uh, when she was gone after dinner and it was nice enough out. And so uh, with Dad, a lot of times we'll just go throw rocks in the water. That really works for us. Because <laughs> everyone of every age can do that. I get nervous with Aubrey and she's right at the end and, she's, and she throws everything into her her rock that she's trying to make it into the water and every time I think she's going to fall and so I'm like holding the back of her shirt um, but but it really is maybe something as simple as that but really time I think is incredibly um, important or maybe I know there was another time um, with Anthony we got him a uh, Brewers Kids Club membership for for Christmas or his birthday one year and so we had like six brewer games that we were going to and and so we would be driving down to these brewer games throughout the summer, and and in one of the games, uh, he's you know maybe maybe eight, seven, eight years old at the time, and and of course he listens to all sports, and if you listen to sports, all there is is beer commercials and all kinds of stuff like that. So at an early age, he was asking a lot of questions of, you know, Dad, what's what's up with alcohol? And he heard about you know you know kind of a dare program at school and different things. You know what's with drugs and alcohol, smoking, and all these different things came up, and 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 it wasn't anything a situation that I created at all, but it really was just that whole idea of spending time, mm-hmm. um, and so that when you spend time, you just open up the chance for opportunity to be able to share and disciple and everything like that. So, all right, and I would agree with that. In in you know, as our kids get older, it may not be so much throwing rocks, but you're you're finding different things that you can do together. And you, you learn what their likes and dislikes are, and you can begin to tailor some of your interactions. And, you know, we were talking last night, and just that sometimes it's, you know, as 
people get involved in different things as our kids are involved in you know the last few weeks feel like we've been running you know a thousand different directions but sometimes it's that uh, being intentional with our time and you know we we do things you know when we're talking and we're, we're just trying to you know continue to foster healthy relationships just through that time in the car you know driving from home to school or school to whatever and and just working through some of those things you know the other week um, each of the the ladies in the house had something going on so Micah and I we I said where do you want to go eat and he said Buffalo Wild Wings so we went over to West Bend, Buffalo Wild Wings, and during that time, we were just able to talk through some things that Micah is not always the most verbal of, of kids, but sometimes you catch him at the right spot and everything comes out. Uh, you know, and it, it's great because all we had to do was just drive in a car for half an hour one way, and then we can sit and you know, taking everything at Buffalo Wild Wings, but it's through those times of interaction that there there is that sense of uh, comfort, that sense of uh, uh, shelter for your children as, as, you know, they're just able to uh, spend time with you and interact with you and uh, do different things together. I think, too, it's taught me, and I'm not the best. I have so much to learn. That's why sometimes I feel weird sitting up here because... Parenting is it's, been a, it's, it's hard, and you don't always make the right decisions and stuff, but with it, it's reminding me that just taking the most of the opportunities when it's presented, like, and they're not always at the times I would like to be having conversations, and I'll get thrown off, and sometimes I don't always respond the best, but all of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, it's 1130, and you just want them to go to bed, and then, then they decide to start telling you everything that's happened for the last three weeks, and you're like, and you really just want to be like, could we just go to sleep? And instead you're like, oh, okay, I've got to actually sit and listen right now and respond because this is good, you know? And I'm a night owl, so it usually can work, but still can throw me off. But it's just making the most of that time because it looks so different as they get older, and it's you're constantly having to readjust because what worked when they were two and six doesn't work when they're, 15. <laughs> so we tend to accept the beliefs of the people that we like and to reject the beliefs and values of people that we dislike. And so building that positive relationship with your child is part of your ticket in. You know, if you really want them to um, accept your beliefs and values, it sounds kind of silly, but they have to like you. There has to be an, an avenue in which you can communicate with them and they'll be accepting of that. And, you know, we didn't, um, we didn't get to see Adam and Eve in the garden as parents. We didn't get to see, the, you know, the perfection that could have been before sin. So we don't have that as an example. But we do definitely have God, our Father, as an example of parenting. And he doesn't start with, the list of behaviors and what we need to do and how we should believe. He starts from the basis of unconditional love and an invitation to a relationship. And it's that relationship that that draws us in and that everything else flows. That's what motivates us. I mean, that's what motivates us in our walk 
with God is that is that relational being that he is. And that's how, you know, there's so much that flows between us and our kids when you have that relationship first and they know that that, that it's important, that this is a safe place and that this what's going on between the two of you really is a priority. You know, and one thing I, w- I would add to that is it, it seems like depending on what our background is, we have an, an aversion to one side or the other. Um, for depending on how you were raised, if you were raised, you know, with diff, you know maybe not very much relationship, you may you may then compensate by trying to become extremely relational. And there's a line crossed there as far as um, being friends with your kids and being a parent. And so that's why we said healthy relationships. Um, but but on the other side, some people may come from um, a home where all it was was friendship, and they're saying, look, we need you know there needs to be some authority here and so so we don't want to we're not going on one side or another but we are saying there should be healthy relationships because there's even different personality types you know with our kids some kids some, some of our kids Kristen gets along better with and some of them I get along better with I don't know how that works and I feel bad about it sometimes but it's true but there should still be that healthy relationship there um, you know one of the interesting things with relationship and to what we were speaking of is um, brain research says that a child's view of authority is set by age six. And that would include, in large part, their view of God as, as an authority figure. And so um, it makes those younger years of raising children and all the way through um, incredibly important. And, and that relationship part is huge because that helps form their view and contributes to their view of God. And, um, you know, one, one thing from, uh, from a book that I had read, it said, play with your kids today so you have the right to shape their values tomorrow. You know, um, James Dobson said, rules is out relationship breeds rebellion, right? Um, and so uh, remember that your kids are more likely to embrace the values of someone they love and enjoy than someone they don't. And so if ma- ma- and making time for that, I think, is incredibly important. So let's, let's move on to the second one. Good thing we only have three. <laughs> The second one is this: to be as a parent, to to uh, intentionally raise Christ-centered kids. Let's step back and take a look at the big picture. Sometimes we can get so caught up in what that individual incident is, or something that happened here, and that can control our relationships. But um, but you guys had some good thoughts on on that too. Yeah, I think it starts really maybe seems very simplistic, but you have a long-term goal. The long-term goal essentially is raising your child to love Christ. You know, in our home, we always say, do you love Jesus? Or if we're talking about a perspective, okay, I don't like going here yet, but, you know, someone who may be a prospective boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, those types of things are, you know, the question is, do they love Jesus? Okay, and we haven't gotten to that point. Hallelujah. No, I'm going uh, to answer. And if those of you who've been in our youth group, yes, you will know that if I know you, that and you tell me you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, that is usually the first question I ask: Do they love Jesus? Yep. And there will be many of them that are going, "Yeah." I remember you asking me that question. 
And I would get variety of answers. Right, and sometimes we annoyingly so ask yeah. that question. You know, do, you, do they love Jesus? Well, maybe we need to start, do you love Jesus? Um, but do they love Jesus? And, and I think that's really the long-term goal. And so there's a lot of little steps that can happen along the way. Um, one of the things that we, uh, I think all of us, feel very strongly about is just the priority of church and just having your child in church, um, it is not going to save them necessarily, but being in that environment helps and fosters that ability for them to love Jesus. And it is so important to make that a priority. And I, I know we are faced with so many different things these days that can take our children out of church. Um, and it is... Sometimes it can be for a season, but our, our thing is, you know, we want it to be something that church is where they want to be, that they are getting good relationships with their peers, that they're seeing that they're not alone, um, that there are young men and young women who are loving Jesus as well, and that they can be friends with growing up for us. That was our main basis of friendships was through the youth group. We had, you know, that was our friend group. Yeah, we had friends at school, but it was great when we could come middle of the week, youth group, Wednesday nights, and we could be with um, a whole host of, of young people. And so that was the priority. Now for us, it was almost, there was no option. It was church whenever the doors were open. Unless you were dying. Yes. <laughs> right. And, you know, with few exceptions... Um, that was the case. And we've tried to, you know, we're facing those types of things too. Um, Elise has been in uh, a musical production at the high school uh, over the last couple of months. And what they did is they were all signing up for different skits, um, and, and, or they tried out, and then they could find out when um, those things were. You know, they would sign up for specific ones. What we didn't know going into it was that all the scenes that she was in, they had practices on Wednesday nights. So <laughs> how is it that the youth pastor lets their daughter go to Wednesday night practices? I think we learned that, okay, this is something that we weren't expecting, but we, we kind of adapted in, all right, this is how we're going to roll with this. We know, number one, it's for a season. And number two, she's in church on Sundays, and we're continuing to reinforce it at home. Um, but we also thought, okay, long term, moving into next year, we're going to really work with the, the directors to say, have her in things that, or have her in things that are not scheduled for Wednesday nights, because we have such a priority on Wednesday nights, we want her to be a part of that. And I think going along with that is. Like, it's fun to see your kids shine and be able to do something they really like. Um, and we get it because there's been Wednesdays she's had to miss because of plays and musicals, and Kaylee's had to miss because of musicals. You know, it's a trend in our family. And um, we understand because sometimes it just has to be. But we're like, okay, maybe there's a way we can make it work. And, you know, I have to say, I appreciate the fact that I have seen. And, you know, one thing as parents, we are watching and learning from so many parents who have gone ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And um, I love taking other people's wisdom 
because I always want to be teachable. And I tell my kids, I'm like, I want, like, my prayer is that you will always be teachable. Well, that's my prayer for me, because sometimes I can get stubborn and like the way I do things, but I also know, like, I have to be teachable. Like, I have to be willing to adjust it. And I so appreciate watching so many parents go, okay, this is a season that my kid's in this sport, but as soon as that sport's done, that kid's back in youth group. And yeah, we're a little biased. We think youth group's important. But um, but they are back. Do you know what I mean? And I've seen other parents be like, you know what? I have a, They have a Sunday match. I hate that they're missing church. And they've made it work where they go, I'm taking my kid to church on a Saturday night to a different church because I want them to see that it's not replacing church this week. Do you know what I mean? And you know, there's ways to make it work, you know, or like when we've done small group, they'll be like, okay, they're not going to be there Wednesday, but they're going to be there at small group because it's important, and we're going to make them go. And it's hard, and sometimes not all teenagers like coming to church. They don't like coming. They just don't. Or they don't like coming to youth group. And sometimes, as a parent, you have to just go, you need to come. And, um, and I, you know, I we hesitate saying it because I don't want to step on people's toes. Mm-hmm. And um, But sometimes you just have to make them come because you know it's a good thing for them. And, you know, it's funny because I look back at the kids in our youth group growing up, and so many of them, if we went to school together, we probably would not have hung out in the same groups. We wouldn't. We were so different. But because we all were in youth group and we all loved Jesus, that's what bonded us together. And that's what made a difference and gave us lifelong friendships. And um, we haven't seen many of them in years, but I bet you we could pick up and have no problem at all. Um, but it's been, an, it's been an adjustment because they're in track. Like Elise has a track meeting too, so we're using as an example a lot tonight. Um, we did ask her if we could share that too, just so everybody knows. Um, but she's got a track meet on Wednesday, and you know what? She's part of the team, so she's going to be there. Um, but I think she would even say that she missed it. You know, and along with what you're saying as far as church being a priority, um, I, I know that we've mentioned this in um, in the past, the study done by Notre Dame University that looked at uh, the the teens and the young adults who, who stayed with their faith um, after high school, and their number was about 25%, and there, there were four um, commonalities between those teenagers who continued to follow Christ um, after high school, and, and and one of them was consistent church attendance, which is exactly what you guys are speaking to. And so I, I think that's incredibly important. Another one was um, God talks, conversations, which which is that relational piece. You have to kind of earn that right to be able to speak in. Um, the other thing was serving before age 12. You know that that you know what when you when you do a community cleanup as a family, when you do those kinds of things together. That, that that actually helps build the faith and they see church as a, as a place where they're part of a body as opposed to a place where they just attend or go to. Um, and so, you know, those are things that, that can be, can help us step back and, and, and look at the big picture. There's a lot I want to say here, but I don't think I have much time. But um, one of the things I think is important about the big picture is um, communicating the why to your kids. Um, because I said so, or because it's the right thing to do, you know, it, I, I guess it's okay when they're two. Sometimes it's just because I had said so. But when you look at that big picture and you pull back and you say, if you don't give them the why, if you don't tell them the reason why we do what we do, if you don't speak to the character of God and how he 
has designed things a certain way with our best in mind, and here's the reason why, then somewhere down the road at some impressionable age, someone is going to give them some kind of why, and they're likely to listen to it if you've not given it to them first. And there are a lot of lies out there that are so cleverly disguised that they sound an awful lot like the truth. And even if they grow up around the truth, if you have not given them the truth and communicated the lie, they'll take another one. So look at that. You know, it's harder. It takes more time. It takes sometimes a commitment to digging because we don't always know all the answers off the top of our heads. We might have to be teachable and educate ourselves, and it, it takes more work. Um, but it's it's super important. Um, and the other thing I just will say quick is that, and you all know this, but parenting priorities change with the ages and stages of your kids. And I think about um, like the new mom with the new baby, that everything is new and they think they've like they've leveled out and the baby's sleeping and everything's good and then all of a sudden they're up all night and they don't know what to do and there's that veteran mom standing there like, Oh, well, how old are they? How many oh growth spurt, you know, and, and there's a you know, there's a reason that because these parents who have been through that know well it's a different stage. It's a different a new thing is coming. And when you're hitting those stages for the first time, you know, bless you oldest children because you know, you're they're hitting those state and we experience this with Anthony, it's like all of a sudden it's like who is this? Like, what's going on? And, and there's never anything that's real clear-cut. You know, like, they're moving into that new stage and that new phase of maybe they're not as accepting, maybe they want to debate and argue things a little more. Well, that's appropriate developmentally. But all of a sudden, you have this kid that you're like, they're, they're not listening anymore. Like, now they're talking back. They're moving into that new developmental stage, but then they're not... 100% there, some days they're, they're kind of back here. And there's that kind of transition phase where they're, they're in and out before they're fully in over here that you feel like, okay, what kid am I dealing with today? I'm not sure. Okay, that's how the brain works. We right. don't just jump in and stay there. <laughs> but there's a back and forth. Yeah. Right, so not only being aware of that, but finding that that those people, that one or two families, like Amy was saying, that are further ahead than you are, who have been through some of those stages, that can help you understand what's normal and what's coming and things that maybe they've done. Like, that's a really important big picture piece because we don't have the big picture yet until we're through it, and then it's too late. So find somebody who does. You know, and I think... Um, to kind of put a, a, a cap on that one thing as as we were talking and preparing for this and we were talking about long term goals and, and, and you know what you should set goals for your kids and we looked at each other and we were like we've never really done that we never sat down and wrote out goals to say what how, how do we what kind of character the godly character do we want our kids to exhibit when they're adults and um, and to be able to to write those things out and that in education, it's just called backwards by design. So you start with the end in mind, and you just go backwards. And so, um, you know, maybe that would be a very practical thing that you could sit down even after church today and say, hey, let's let's write out our goals, you know. And not, not behaviors, but character traits. Uh, because you don't get to control the behaviors. Unfortunately, we cannot control the behaviors. So... Um, and, and, and make sure that you keep an eye on that. And, and the last one we just have a couple minutes for, but I think it's incredibly important, is um, transitions well into that, is that whole idea of heart change over, over behavior modification. 
You ever heard of the book, um, Have a New Kid by Friday? It's impossible. Okay? It doesn't work. You might be able to change their behavior by Friday um, if you give them a good enough reward system. But what God is going for in each one of us and what he wants to do to help develop that godly character in our kids is, that, is to change their heart. And unfortunately, the heart change takes way longer than behavior modification. And that, that is the hard part as, as, you know, as a parent. Um, character formation in a child's faith and relationship with Jesus comes out of a changed heart, not out of a behavior change. So um, God changes us from the inside out. And uh, I know that you guys touched on it last week, that it starts with you on that. You know, we can't, we can't, um, it can't be a do what I say, not as I do. So. And I think it goes back to what Kristen was just saying as well, as far as communicating the why is, you know, for us, we had our set of values. We had some of our thoughts and, and things that we said, okay, this is what we won't do. But then our kids get to asking certain questions about different things, and, well, why is that? And what it does is it forces us, number one, we have to be teachable. We also have to uh, maybe point to God's Word and go back and really, we have to solidify it in our own minds. You know, so it may, like Christian was saying, it's not going to be an easy thing. It's going to take some time. But it's something that we go back and we then start to say, here's the reason why. And it goes back to not only the God's in, intentions, but it, it then boils down to the intents of our own heart as far as some of those actions and activities take place. And, and so it's, it's caused us, who I'm going in and out, so I'll just project. Um, so it's something that we have to um, keep working on and keep learning and keep trying to uh, understand, but point our kids to, you know, it's not just the behavior, but sometimes what, what is your heart really like? What it, where, is, where is your heart? And what are the things that um, you're feeling inside? And, and how do we direct that in the right way? You know, God gave us emotions, and we've tried as much as is possible to say it's okay to have emotions and display emotions, but ultimately, what are you going to do with those emotions, for example? You know, are you going to take that and say, well, that's why I'm just going to be bitter and angry and, you know, I'm just going to wreak havoc across the house for the next week? Well, that's not going to be acceptable, you know. So let's boil down to what, what's going on in your heart, you know. And so kind of along the lines of everything that we've talked about so far, but sometimes you have some of those moments of just being together and you're just talking and you're trying to draw things out and, and really say, okay, well, let's keep, let's keep peeling the, the layers back so that we can figure this out and we can both, and all of us as a family, work together to make this um, more productive. I think we've had a lot of um, conversations, and I'm sure many of you do as your kids get older, um, is about movies and books and TV and music and we get lists and from our kids about songs they want us to check out and we learn quickly we can't just be like no we're not doing that song or no you're not going to that movie or no we're not watching that show it's more just sitting on explaining and we even take times and 
this may not work for everyone, but we'll be watching a show, and if something comes up that's not appropriate, we will stop the show, or we'll like, you understand why this is, and take that time right then to do it. Because in, like, ten years, probably none of them are going to be living in our house, which is weird to think about. <laughs> but anyway, ten years, and I really want them not to just go, well, I, mom and dad says we can't do this. And just not ever really understand why. Like, we're not always going to be there for them to say, like, should I watch this? Should I read this? What do you think about this? And they don't always like the decisions we make. We'll just make that clear right now. Like, they really don't always like them. Um, we're not always very popular. No, but, you know, our, speaking back on goals, we want, one of our big goals is we want them to have a solid foundation where they can make godly decisions on their own. And so, you know, we've gone kind of from that point of here's what I say, you just need to do it, to here's some of the reasons why, and now we're getting to that stage where we need to allow them to make some of those decisions and we can have some influence and input, but it's ultimately going to come down to them making some of those decisions um, so that we want them to be able to have that platform where it's not just they've been dictated to for 18 years um, but, you know, we didn't perhaps dictate it for a while, but now it's slowly progressing into a new form uh, where we're there to help, we're able to bounce some ideas off of, etc. And I think we've learned, too, that we have to adjust. Like, we've made, like, sometimes we've said blanket no's, and then we're like, oh, okay, well, now let's go back and look at it again. You know, and, you know, sometimes you're like, was well, that wishy-washy? Maybe it is, but sometimes it shows that we're trying to look and really understand why we said no to this, or really where do we go, and maybe we change it because we realize, okay, this is really where you're at, we're having this conversation, whatever it is. And I also have to remember that they're growing up, they're not eight anymore. You know what I mean? Where you're like, you can't handle bigger topics. You know what I mean? Like, they are growing up, and soon they aren't going to be here, you know? And I want, you know, I want them to be able to go through this stuff while they're still in our house, and be able to ask those questions, and because, like, and I said this in Bible studies, we say it in Easter, we say it at home, like, God's big enough for our questions. Like, even when we're upset, and we can look and go, like, okay, God, I don't understand this. This is not fair. This stinks. Why can't we do this? Like, he's totally big enough for that. And, you know, like, you know, I love David, you know, in the Psalms where he sits there, and he, like, like, God, why did you leave me? I'm in this pit, and things are horrible, and everyone's against me. And, you know, it's extreme, but sometimes we feel like that. And um, if you live with a teenager, they feel like that, too. And we feel like everything's against them. And it's hard. You know, they're deciding where they're going to go to college, and they're deciding what their future is, and they're starting to date, and they're driving, and they have jobs, and they're in 50 million activities. They've got a ton going on. And sometimes it's, it's lonely, and it's hard, and it's dry, and it just, things don't make sense, and there's more questions than answers. But I want them always to come back, like David, and say, but God is God. Even if it all doesn't make sense, I still have to trust him. And that's, I think, where we want them to constantly go, and that's where we're trying to even model that, because things don't always make sense for us either. But we're like, okay, things stink right now. I don't understand why it's not going this way, but I'm still going to trust God. Like, I want that always to be their butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, aren't they wise? That's why we have them here. <laughs> I'll just speak really briefly to the, to the little kid version of that because they obviously are speaking from experience with the older ones. But I, I read an illustration a while ago that I just love and I remember all the time. And if 
it's the idea of if you see your neighbor has this amazing apple tree with these wonderful apples on it, and you want that too, it would be really foolish to run out to the store and buy the shiniest apples that you can find and go and tie them onto your tree. Because ultimately, what's going to happen? Well, the apples are going to rot and they're going to fall off. And that's the whole idea of the, the heart change versus the behavior modification. It, if you want beautiful apples on your tree, well, you plant the seeds, you know, you tend to the plant, you water it, you weed it, you fertilize it. Maybe you ask your neighbor what they did to their tree, but it's, it's a totally different story when we focus on the outward behavior versus the change that comes inwardly from the heart. And what makes it so hard is that it takes a long time. Like, it's way easier to tie the apples on the tree. And sometimes we see other parents, you know, and again, I'm speaking from a young kid perspective, and these kids look so well-behaved, and it looks so nice and neat, and you think, like, well, that, that's what I need to do. I'm going to do that. Especially on Facebook. <laughs> that really helps. Right. But, but that's not really what you should do. What you should do is stay the course. Keep planting the seeds. Keep watering the plants. Keep doing it. And, and it takes a long time. It is a huge investment. We don't get upset with the farmers right after they plant the seeds that, that we don't have corn to eat. It takes time. And, and that's the challenge, is it takes time. You don't see your fruit right away. But when you do see the fruit, it's, it's really worth the investment. And then the other real quick um, thing that I have really been learning, I can't say that I have entirely learned it yet, but just learning to not try to make my kids into the person that I want them to be, but recognize that God created them, and he has a plan and a purpose for them, and he's made and designed them, give them qualities and traits that he put in them because of the plan that he has for them. And that's why there aren't cookie-cutter kids. We have three kids who are very different because God has three very different purposes and three very different plans for them, and he's given them three very different characteristics and qualities. And it would be way more convenient and easy for me if, they, if I could just turn them into what I want them to be for my convenience. But that, that's not God's plan. That's not how it works. I mean, my, my sweet Elena, bless her heart, is, that's what you say, right, bless her heart, she's a very emotional creature. And it's kind of a pain to deal with sometimes, quite honestly. And it would be way easier, it would be way more convenient if we could just squash the emotions and move on with the day. But the flip side of that coin, honestly, is that she is very compassionate and she is she feels what other people feel and she's a helper and a compassionate person because of all of those emotions inside of her and it's the whole idea of channeling that in the proper direction and if we can get her to understand the rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep she's going to be the world's greatest living illustration of that verse because she has that in her but it, but it isn't always easy. There are some days when she bursts into tears over nothing, and I'm like, what are you crying about now? I, I want to change her so that it's easier for me, but that's not what God wants. We're not here to tell God we have a better plan for our kids. We need to work with the people he created them to be and keep watering the plant, keep fertilizing, keep doing that. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we talked about three things we could talk about a lot more. 
Um, and so, obviously, for, for any one of us, we love this topic and want any time. We'd love to be able to talk with you guys and not have all the answers or tell you what to do, but just help process through what, what God might want in, in your specific situation. So I want to thank you guys for, for spending time up here and um, just investing in all that you guys do for all the kids of Portview as well. Just kind of keep And so we're going we're gonna to continue here because I want to talk to you just for a couple minutes about the Home Point Center out there because when you walk out of these doors, I want you to be able to go and stop by and see what that's all about. This whole idea of Home Point has been something in the works for years. Um, as a staff here at Portview, um, you've heard, uh, some of you have thought it was a joke, the 18-year plan. Um, how, how do you disciple kids from birth through age 18 and launch them well? Well, this Home Point Center is a huge piece of that puzzle. And so, so what I want to do is there's really three components of the Home Point Center. In just a minute, we're going to watch a video on the actual center itself so you guys can get an idea how it works, what it is, and what the plan is. Um, so that's a physical center, part of this whole Home Point idea. The second piece is church campaigns, which a couple times throughout the year, we're going to have a campaign, maybe a pray together campaign or, or something like that, where we're going to say, hey, we're going to be intentional in this area, in our homes and in our families. And so you'd stop by the Home Point Center to get any uh, material that go lo- goes along with that. And then something that's come up that um, that is coming up, the third piece, which we're pretty excited about, is the whole faith path thing. And so that is God's plan for our families. And so this is the we can help piece of the you can do it, we can help. And so I hope that you guys will take advantage of that. And there's all of you coming in, you got a 120 days of intentionality. And so uh, before before we go today, there's just a couple check boxes and everything. If you just want to go through that with your spouse, with your family, and um, and then you can take some next steps. So the first piece is the reflection and the appraisal. And then the next steps would be, what do we want to do to be purposeful and intentional in our marriage and parenting and grandparenting? Or what's the next step for me, no matter what your stage of your family is like at all? And so, so please make sure you take these, make sure you, you fill them out, and, and let's work together as Portview Church to build strong families. Does that sound like God's plan? Amen. 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 Would you please um, stand as we pray this morning? God, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your plan that you put in place. Lord, to, to pass faith on to the next generation is something that, that you came up with and make, we make very clear throughout Scripture. And, and Lord, these aren't ideas that come from us. There's no one here that has all the answers. But Lord, we just turn to you with our families. And we say, God, thank you for putting this in place. Lord, thank you for using us to be able to be a part of, of, of passing on something so significant the faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, you put us each in strategic family situations to establish your kingdom in that family, to promote your kingdom in your way, God, with the people around us. And so, Lord, I pray that we'd be intentional with that. Lord, help us when when times and situations come up that may be difficult. Lord, for the incredibly difficult situations, Lord, there's not enough enough, uh, pamphlets to address all of life's situations. So, God, we need your wisdom. And so, Lord, we just turn to you. And, Lord, all of these things, all of these resources, everything that we talked about today, Lord, all they are is pointing people to you. 
in every one of these situations. And that is our desire. So God, help us to be intentional in everything that we do. Lord, help us understand that it is our job, that we can do it. And Lord, through the, through the local church and most importantly through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will help us do that. And so God, thank you for putting this, all, this plan in place. Lord, thank you for a church and a church body that already believes in what we've been talking about that in many ways have been living out what we've already been talking about. We think this is just a reflection of a work you're already doing in this body. And so, God, we thank you for that. So, Lord, go with us today. Help us to take advantage of the time that we have together. Lord, help us to, to be intentional with our families and be led by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.